This is episode number 224 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. This week, I'm going to show you how you can de- begin to develop your public speaking skills in really low-risk public speaking venues. Um, these are the tips, by the way, I give the people after they come through my presentation skills classes, if they're looking for some place to go where they can get more practice. As I give you these venues, though, I've organized them in a step-by-step process. For instance, last week, I kind of mentioned a lady who kind of called me panic because she was speaking to a 400-person breakout session in a few days. She skipped a few steps in the process. So (laughs) this process will help you gain confidence along the way. So when you get that big public speaking break, you're ready for it. Uh, So I've broken the session into two different parts. Uh, This week, I'm going to talk about virtual venues that that are out there. These are fantastic things that you can do. A lot of times just sitting at your office or sitting at home on on your personal computer that you can do to help you gain public speaking skills. And then next week, we're going to cover venues where actual people our meeting and you can get some some help you reduce that nervousness when you're actually speaking in front of a live audience. Uh, the episode, by the way, is sponsored by fearlesspresentations.com. So if you're looking for a faster way to reduce public speaking fear or become a more persuasive speaker, we have two-day public speaking classes coming up in Atlanta, Dallas, Baltimore, Charlotte, Miami, Denver, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Los Angeles. We've also got our other classes in California, San Diego, and San Francisco that have been posted. And um, we just posted the fourth quarter a couple of weeks ago. So those classes are actually up. So if you uh, have contacted our office in the past few months and you were looking for a class in your local area and we didn't have something on the schedule yet, make sure and look at the schedule now because um, all of those classes, every class in every city has now been posted for the rest of the year. All right. So let's get on with today's topic. Today, I'm going to share with you how to find great venues where you can actually practice your presentations. You can actually get better speaking in a place where it's kind of less risky than practicing with your own customers or coworkers and that kind of thing. Now, obviously, uh, one of the best ways to kind of start the public speaking process is in a class. That's why we do public speaking classes all over the world. But a common question that I get asked after somebody will go through my two-day public speaking classes, they'll say, okay, now that I feel better, now that I feel more confident, where do I go to practice so that I can continue to grow as a speaker? Or how can I continue to grow into a great speaker? Well, the best way to continue to grow is with continued and consistent use of those presentation skills. So basically, if somebody goes through one of our public speaking classes and then they don't present at all again for another year, 
the new skills are most likely going to wither away. That would be the same in any type of skill that you're trying to develop. So um, one of the reasons why people come to a, a class like ours is a, so they can get lots of practice very, very quickly. So a class lets them develop the, the presentation skills in that controlled environment, and, and it gives you gives them a small group setting as well. So the, the presenters get a chance to get instant feedback from a public speaking expert. So with all those positives, though, it would be really, really impractical to keep going back to a presentation skills class every few months or two or three times a year. So where do you go to get the additional practice? So in this session, I'm going to share with you a few ways to find speaking venues that are always looking for good speakers. We'll also cover how to really build up a solid reputation as a good speaker so that as your reputation grows, um, you're you're going to the other meeting organizers will reach out to you as a speaker for their meeting as well. So it makes the process much, much, much easier. Uh, before we get started, though, um, here is a really, really quick word of caution, <laughs> because a lot of times people will say practice makes perfect. No, practice does not make perfect. Practice actually makes permanent. So make sure that you first develop a good presentation. Then after you develop that good presentation, work on your poise and your confidence when you present. If you do those things before you start to practice, then your practice is going to be pretty good. However, if you practice a poor presentation, you're going to get really, really good at delivering a terrible presentation. So so just kind of keep that in mind. If you practice bad habits over and over and over again at, at these speaking venues, then it's going to be much more difficult later to kind of create, correct those habits. So, so make sure you focus on the type of presentation that you're delivering first and make that a good presentation. Uh, by the way, I put links in the show notes to help you uh, for other posts and other podcast episodes that will help you with those first two things. But let's assume that you've got a great presentation and you're already speaking with a little poise and a little bit of confidence, but you just want to practice a little bit more. Well, that's where this episode really kind of comes in handy. So interestingly, though, once you kind of gain confidence as a speaker, you're actually going to start to notice more speaking opportunities that you never noticed before. They're going to start popping up. There'll be things that were always there, but in the past, you just kind of overlooked them because it wasn't really important. Now, it's it's more noticeable. It's the old yellow Volkswagen theory. I know I'm old and people don't drive yellow Volkswagens anymore, but when I was a teenager, that's what we called it. And the reason why we called it was that we, we called this theory, the yellow Volkswagen theory, was, was because Volkswagens had been around for like ever, like 20 or 30 years of little bugs, you know, but you never really saw them until you bought one. <laughs> once you once you actually owned a yellow Volkswagen, they were everywhere. They were on every corner. You saw, And by the way, this works with any car that you buy. It's not just Volkswagens. It's not just yellow Volkswagens. Uh, if you if you buy a Honda Civic, you know, you'll never see a Honda Civic until you buy one. And then all of a sudden they're everywhere. You see them all over the place. Uh, so speaking opportunities are kind of the same way. Once you start to organize or once you get to the point where you've organized your first speech using the process that that I'm going to show you in this podcast, you're going to find them everywhere. You're going to see opportunities pop up in places you never even thought of. And it's because you're going to be noticing them. So um, let's kind of start first with the digital versions, the the digital practice arenas. These are these are great places to kind of practice delivering your speeches. 
So in this episode, I'm going to cover some of the really nice digital venues where you, these are practice arenas where you can practice delivering your presentations. And although it seems kind of counterintuitive, but online platforms are a fantastic way to continue improving your public speaking skills. And by counterintuitive, I really mean a lot of times people think, well, wait, 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 how can I improve my ability to speak in front of a group by speaking to my phone or speaking to a computer? And the answer is that social media platforms help you do a couple of different things. First, many platforms have time limits. So you have to get your point across and you have to get really good at getting your point across very quickly. This helps you because it helps you become more precise. It also helps you become more concise. A second thing that happens is that by posting your recording online, you get instant feedback. That feedback lets you know whether or not there is a market for what you're presenting. You're, you're, the people in your audience or people in an audience anyway are letting you know what they think about what you've said. It lets you make alterations if you need to. Now, you have to have a thick skin for this type of thing, but it's a good way to get instant feedback from hopefully from people that are in your, your social network that are, that are friendly to you already. So it makes it a little bit easier for the most part. Uh, it, it, basically, you're kind of seeing is, is what you are saying something that your audience is into? And if so, they'll let you know. And if they're not, you're not going to get a whole lot of feedback. Maybe you make an alteration as a result of it. Um, the third major advantage to practicing on social media, though, is that if it if it just isn't quite right, if it really wasn't that good, you can always just delete it. Okay, now maybe a dozen people somewhere in the world saw you live, but it's still less risky than getting your first speaking gig in front of 100 people and having a challenge and... Now, 100 people have seen you kind of flub something. So so the social media is a less risky way to kind of get practice speaking. Uh, if you're new to speaking or you want to practice more, um, what I'm going to cover here is just a quick step-by-step -step guide to practicing speaking online uh, or in these online venues that that's uh, it's going to we're going to start off with the low risk options. And then as you become more comfortable you want to experiment with more of the, the the challenging ones. So let's start with the really, really easy ones. Um, the, the, the one that I always suggest people kind of start with, especially if you're new to social media or new to speaking in general or new to speaking on a camera, any of those things, which is true for at, at least one of those things is typically true for most of us, right? Is to start with disappearing content on social media. That That is one of the absolute best places to start practicing. So when I say disappearing content, this refers to those platforms where the social media posts disappear after 24 hours. So I think Snapchat was the first to, to kind of do it. So snaps are, are still, still, you know, fairly popular, but you also have things like Facebook stories and Instagram stories, those things, they're going to disappear after a short period of time. So since these things disappear so quickly, they're pretty low risk. Even if you don't hit the delete button, yeah, most people aren't going to, most people in the world are not going to see these things, even if you have a huge, huge, huge social network, um, unless they just happen to be looking at your stuff that day. Um, by the way, if you want to have some fun, find a popular social media feed that has, you know, maybe thousands or millions of followers, somebody that's really, really popular today, that's really good at doing social media and that kind of thing. 
and then scroll all the way back. It may take you a while for some of these to, to get to the, the very first one, but scroll back to episode number one. <laughs> By the way, I, I linked to episode number one of the Fearless Presentations podcast in, in the show notes. So if you want to go back and listen to that, it's a little embarrassing, right? <laughs> I mean, now you'll find that it's not just me. It's not just me on my first episode, but everybody that starts doing this, when we, when we start off, we kind of suck at it. It's We're not really good at doing this. And over the years, over time, we get better and better and better and better. You know, so like, for instance, using myself as the example, when I started the first Fearless Presentations podcast, I had already been a professional speaker for two decades. <laughs> I was pretty experienced as a speaker in front of a group. I had spoken in front of, my guess would be millions of people by that time in my career, but that very first episode was fairly rough. You know, hopefully, hopefully I've gotten better over the years. But of course, that comes through experience and through practice, which is what, what the, the topic is here. You know, how do we get that experience? How do we get that practice? So if you start with disappearing social media, those feeds that I mentioned before, then the evidence of how bad you were when you started with just disappeared. So very low risk. That that's where I would I would suggest that everybody start if you're especially if you're just starting to kind of speak in front of a group. The second type is um, uh, it, it's not going to disappear instantly, but it's also fairly low risk. It's the behind the scenes videos that you can post to places, the other social media feeds like uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, those kind of things, LinkedIn, uh, any of those types of normal social media. So as you get more comfortable speaking with the camera, uh, begin to create the behind the scenes videos. These are the informal chats that that speakers or presenters will have with their audiences. The, the recordings could be something as simple as a tip of the day, or you might it might be a compliment, uh, commentary on something that's going on. Could be something newsworthy or something like that. The cool thing about this type of recording is that it gets you practice, which is what we're here for. But also, you can edit the videos. So when you edit the videos, you can cut out the flubs or anything that doesn't make you look or sound great. You just kind of cut it out, edit it out, right? Um, you may need to do a lot of editing at the very beginning, by the way, because uh, it doesn't matter how good we are at, as speakers when we're presenting on camera for the first time. That's a whole new skill, and it does take some time to develop it. But over time, you're going to have fewer edits and, and more clean recordings. Um, now, just for a pro tip, this is one of those things that we kind of figured out uh, back in the days of doing like webinars, back when webinars were really popular. This is back before before um, uh, yeah, Zoom and, and Microsoft Teams and that kind of thing. Um, we What we used to do is we used to do seminars or online recordings or online um, live presentations uh, using webinar platforms. And uh, what I used to train, what I started doing in the early days and what I used to train a lot of my instructors to do was to just have a partner hold the camera or if you were using a laptop or something like that, have uh, have a, a co-worker, a partner, somebody in the office to speak to instead of trying to speak to the, the, the camera. The reason why this can be helpful, especially if you've done some presentations in front of groups already, is that as a professional speaker, I get a lot of energy from my audience. I give off a lot of energy, but I like to see the reactions that people are having. I like to see 
that people are understanding me and that kind of thing. So when I did a webinar back in the olden days, I'd be presenting to a computer screen and there was no audience feedback. So I didn't I didn't have anything to kind of read as to whether or not I was even communicating clearly. So basically what I would do is I'd get my assistant or another instructor just to just sit in my office as I presented. Uh, and that that was very, very helpful. In fact, this tip came in very, very handy when we started doing more of the social media recordings and they they started becoming popular because we basically use the same strategy and it, it works like a charm. So I would I'd encourage you to do that. If you're having trouble kind of presenting to a computer or not getting that feedback, uh, make it more of a of a uh, dialogue that you're having with somebody else in, in the office or in the room. So the second venue is the pre-recorded videos that are edited that you can put on your social media channels. Um, the reason why we kind of start with what I call the behind the scenes stuff, though, is because for those types of recordings, they don't have to be professional. In fact, the more behind the scenes they are, the more And like, for instance, if uh, if I'm going to record it, I'm not going to record it in the studio like I am now. I'll probably record it in my office sitting at a sitting in a chair at my office or at my desk or something like that. It's more of a like like we said, behind the scenes. So. They're easier to produce. They're not costly at all, um, it, it, and they're 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 just simple. So, I start with those before you go to the next thing, which is posting professional videos to a, a video sharing service like like YouTube or Rumble or Vimeo. So, once you get your message really clear and professional, once you're more professional sounding and your message is much more clear, you can now start posting to these video sharing platforms. And of course, like I mentioned before, the popular ones right now are, are still YouTube is very, very popular. Other platforms like, like Vimeo and now Rumble has come on the scene. It's becoming really popular as well as a YouTube alternative. Keep in mind that these platforms are way more difficult to create a following on. Maybe Rumble is probably a little easier now than some of the others. But um, just it, it's a good idea to start with the other social media platforms first. That will do a couple of things for you. Number one is to get you practice at a, at a less risky kind of way. The other thing is that as you start to get followers on some of those other platforms, and then you let those plat the people that are following you on those platforms know about your other channels, your YouTube or Vimeo or whatever, then you can put links and and get people to the YouTube channel a, a whole lot easier if you do it that way than trying to get people to find you on on YouTube. Um, also, you want to make these videos look way more professional than what you're doing on the other social media channels. So you it might be worthwhile to invest in a good video editing software. Um, the one I use is Adobe uh, Premiere Pro. That's usually that that's one of the better ones out there. Uh, it it's for more costly, but definitely worth it so that you look good. Just like with the previous speaking venue, though, uh, when you create these videos, you can edit them. So it's still pretty risk-free because the, the video isn't live. You have the option to cut out anything that doesn't make you look and sound perfect. <laughs> so I'd suggest you, you, that, that you create maybe a three to five minute video in the beginning or in the early days and start with a, a really clear, quick introduction so people know what you're going to be talking about. And then a, a really good conclusion at the end, a call to action of some type. 
Um, this will give you more practice delivering a fairly complicated presentation. So again, a good, good place to get some, some practice speaking in front of a group. Uh, recently, though, YouTube has kind of created what they call shorts. And these, these are becoming very, very popular. We're doing a lot of these right now. Um, these are the quick 30-second vertical videos that people can watch on their phones, that kind of thing. They're also great venues to practice speaking, but they're more like the social media option that I gave you before. Um, they're 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 more like TikTok videos or Instagram videos. So so they're not going to give you as much practice as what a formal YouTube video will will kind of give you. All right. So the next stage, or so again, we're kind of progressing these into the things that are a little bit more complex. So starting with the the easy um, social media posts that are going to be automatically deleted in 24 hours, start with those. Then the social media posts, less professional, easier to, to get your feet under, under you and that kind of thing. Doing the more formal pre-recorded videos next. And then finally, we graduate to the most difficult of all the social media stuff, which is the the live video. So this would be like Facebook Live, Instagram Live, LinkedIn Live, any of those kind of things. Those things are going to add more pressure, but they're also going to add a whole lot more growth and confidence. So this is the highest level of social media online presentation venue. Uh, there And um, Facebook was the first to kind of put the Facebook, Facebook Live out there, but now Instagram's done it. LinkedIn has done it. Um, the, these, the, the live videos are, are really a popular thing that uh, folks can do on their channels now or on their, their feeds. So when you get to the point where you want to challenge yourself, then these platforms are, are really going to fit the bill for you. Live social media videos are way more challenging because you can't stop the, re the recording and you can't re-record anything. So once, once your live feed is over, if it really stinks, you can always still delete it, you know, so you still have a little bit of of, um, of leeway there. Uh, but for the most part, it's 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 already out in the in the ether world uh, once you once you create it. Um, I, just as an FYI, I kind of let you know about our first Facebook Live. I mean, my my instructors have been trying to get me for months after Facebook Live went went quote unquote live to to start doing some of those from our office and. It just wasn't my thing. You know, I love to speak in front of a group, but, you know, I like to have an audience. I like to to um, have a, have get feedback from the folks who are, who are actually there. So the way that they convinced me to do this was they had the, the two of my other instructors said, hey, we'll be there with you. We'll just do a, a seminar. The three of us will kind of do this together. So, oh, OK, makes it a little bit easier. Right. Um, not since I'd never done one of these things, though, we didn't really anticipate some of the challenges that that we created. So um so basically the three of us are in our our boardroom. I I set up a whiteboard, you know, so I could present like I would in front of a live audience, that kind of thing. It was fantastic. The other instructors by the way and I were chatting up the topic at the very beginning of the of the meeting and everything. And we were funny, we were informative, everything was going really well. And of course, we were hoping that the viewers would pop in. The folks that were watching us on Facebook would, would kind of pop in and ask us questions. And within like a minute, maybe two minutes or so, the first question popped up and we're like, oh man, we're a hit, right? We're, we're thinking this is going really well. And the first question was, uh, who are you exactly? Because since was the, this was the first time that we had actually presented 
on Facebook. You know, people had been on our channel, but they hadn't actually seen any of us. They kind of probably knew who I was because I had done recordings and and uh, podcasts and stuff like that, but they had no idea who the other two instructors were. And so, um, you know, so it was start wasn't fantastic, right? Um, so we, we, and because we were kind of nervous about doing this, we forgot entirely to tell the audience, by the way, who we are. So it was, it was a pretty embarrassing kind of start. So uh, I quickly, we, I quickly introduced myself, the two ladies introduced themselves and everything. And, uh, and, and then I jumped right back into teaching because I had to salvage my dignity at that point. So I started writing a couple of notes on, on my whiteboard and then a new comment popped up and like, comment popped up and, and, uh, the new comments, a different person, by the way, and said, Hey, FYI, your writing is backwards. So since we were using the selfie mode on the camera, that we were using the backwards camera, everything that was showing up on our on our feed was the mirror image. And so I basically I just spent the next couple of minutes trying to write backward. And yeah, I didn't really do that. I didn't really try to write, I just erased it and and kind of you know, in, ended the the session fairly quickly out out of that after that. So, needless to say, needless to say, our first Facebook Live was actually live for only about seven seconds. The moment that we kind of ended it, we just kind of deleted that thing. And um, yes, it was embarrassing for well, probably the thirty or forty people that were on that first that they were probably laughing at us and that kind of thing. But you know, for the most part. We learned from it. It was a it was a learning experience. Um, and uh, and then we quickly re-recorded another version of that 15 minutes later. And we left that up as the as the as the recording, <laughs> as the recording of that of that Facebook Live. So even though this type of venue is a little bit more challenging, you still have total control over what your audience can can view later anyway. Um so I saved this one for last. This is one, it's not really one of the, the stepping stones, but it's one of those things that if you have the time to do it and the dedication to do it, it can elevate your speaking to a high, 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 high level. And that is to start a weekly podcast and, and that's going to get you weekly practice speaking in front of an audience, even if it's just an audience of your computer screen, right? Um, when you publish a podcast, basically you, it's a it's it's a unique experience, uh, and it's a unique way to kind of practice public speaking, because um, you're not required to publish any of your content unless you really want to. By the way, uh, and you can practice as much or as little as you want before you actually record it. And just like with the the video versions you can you, with the, that we talked about before you can edit it you know so if you flub if you you know like right, while I'm recording this I, I can usually flow through the entire session eh, pretty pretty quickly but every once in a while I'm gonna hiccup or something and I'll just kind of do a clap and it lets me know that that uh, we can edit that a, a little bit later so you still have that type of control with the podcast. Um, so, but I, I guess the major thing that is really important about a podcast and the advantage I like it like about it over video is that because the video isn't there, it's much more easy. It's much easier than 
YouTube or doing live recordings like like uh, Facebook Live or LinkedIn Live, that kind of thing. And by the way, podcasts have grown in popularity in recent years. The spoken word is, is really, truly an intimate speaking venue. Uh, Grant talked about this on the interview that I did with him last week. He said people will spend you know 30 minutes listening to a podcast. They're not going to give you that much time on on a YouTube channel or or on social media or something like that. So it's one of those things where you can practice your skill in a more intimate kind of way. Even better though is that you can you can grow your audience even if you're not a top find on Google. So even if you're, even if you're really not good at like search engine optimization that kind of thing. Uh, people will may still be able to find you easier on a podcast on their podcast than they would uh, through Google if they just typed a topic uh, that you speak on into in into Google. The reason why is because there are billions of websites out there. I mean, billions of websites. YouTube. I, I looked this up because I really really didn't know this, but I looked, and YouTube has over thirty seven million channels, not 37 million videos, 37 million channels. So um, that I mean, that's a huge, huge, huge number. So getting to the top or getting people to find you on YouTube or on Google is really, really difficult. It, it's a very, very challenging thing to do. However, there are fewer than 1 million podcasts. I think the last at last count was about 850,000 podcasts. Now, that's not episodes. That's the actual podcast. But 800,000 versus 37 million you're you're it's it's easier uh, to to start a podcast and get people to find you than if you start a YouTube channel and get them to find you there so you're basically you're you can be a a, a, a big fish in a smaller pond so to speak uh, now personally I thought I was a pretty good speaker when I started my podcast and in fact uh, I, I thought I, I thought I knew everything about speaking when I started when I start with the public speaking topic anyway when I started the the podcast I mean I've been doing this for 15 20 years almost at that point uh boy was I wrong I can tell you I mean I, I it, it it would be challenging for me to explain to you how much I have learned about public speaking since I started this podcast because uh in the early days I mean for for the first 30 or 40 50 episodes or so I, I just basically talked about what I knew the the parts about public speaking that I, that I knew and then after I mean that's like that comes out to be what 25 hours you know 50 up to 50 hours depending on how long the episodes were of content um that that's a lot of content so after I got to that point I had to start finding new stuff I had to go out and figure out hey what are things about public speaking that I don't know yet and along the way I learned a tremendous amount and hopefully you'll do the same thing so if you start a podcast you, you'll already know your topic pretty well but you'll learn more and more and more about that every time you speak about it every time you do research about your topic for the week and that kind of thing it's uh, the process. It takes dedication, but it is well, well worth it if you want to be a fantastic presenter. Uh, by the way, uh, podcast hosts are always looking for guest speakers. So even if you don't want to start a podcast, a lot of times you can you can go find a podcast that does interviews and volunteer to be a guest on that person's show. That gets you more speaking in front of a group. And um, and get you get you a lot more. It gets you practice and gets and will increase your comfort level pretty dramatically as well. So anyway, so that those are the online or the the virtual venues that you can use to help you build your public speaking confidence or get you more practice. 
Next week, we're going to start with some of the low-risk in-person venues. Uh, eventually, you're going to have to get, if you if you have a nervousness, especially in front of a group, you're going to have to get in front of a group in order to reduce that nervousness. So we're going to show you how to do that in a real step-by-step fashion. So we'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.